Hello, hello, construction professionals. Welcome to the podcast where we flip the script on what it means to live, breathe, and lead construction today. In this podcast series, we unpack how great construction can really be when you lead with humanity, put people first, and drop the bullshit of the way it's always been done. Our world has changed, our conversations have changed, and it's time construction catches up. Oh, there it goes. I see the camera. All right, Ken. Welcome to the show, man. <clears throat> Thanks for being here. Thanks for that uh, little technological glitch in the beginning. This is a pleasure. Um, I appreciate this. We are, you know, we were just talking. We're 12 hours apart. So 7 p.m. where I am, 7 a.m. where you are. Magical, man. I love it. We're, we're making big things happen. And sometimes that means uh, at, at opposite times. So thank you for that. Yes. Uh, well, really happy to be here. Really happy to be chatting to you, Jonathan. Awesome. So listen, uh, tell us about quantum. You're here because we're talking about, you know, signing better contracts. And when we talk life, I mean, we're talking construction, but specifically everything, I'm going to, I'm going to use this perfectly. Everything in life is a contract to some regard, right? And what's magical about that is as we unpack sort of what construction really is, it is all about contracts, right? Um, you know, living it, breathing it, we, we've done it for decades. We know that, you know, even when you get that contract to go through it, it, it's, it can be tremendously um, painful at times. So we're here today. We're talking about how to sign better contracts. That brings quantum into the equation. Tell us about it. Like, what's, what is quantum? How does it start? Why bother? What's, what's, what's the story there, man? So um, the way we approach the the industry is, is, is essentially my background was sure i was always client side i was always working for gc oil and gas companies mining companies consultancies from a contractual point of view helping them save money via saving costs and uh, with the subcontractors and also uh, managing risk to push a lot of the risk down the way or push the risk away or mitigate the risk or uh, change the risk profile of their projects to serve them in the best industry. And so what I experienced over that time was that a lot of the risk will get pushed onto the subcontractor. Right. Um, and what ends up happening is in the contractual chain, the subcontractor will have the most hostile contract of all of the contracts and so what that actually ended up resulting in was subcontractors going out of business subcontractors losing money and or subcontractors essentially not having the expertise to be able to handle the construction uh, sorry to be able to handle the contracts themselves hopefully that makes sense and so to give you just a bit of a an, an analogy there's a difference it's so you've got your risk profile so in contracts, it's what's the likelihood of something occurring? Mm. And then what's the consequence of that thing occurring? And that is the most important thing. And it's trying to understand and trying to help subcontractors now, because I've come from that side. I know what the big companies are trying to do so I can help or we can help subcontractors manage their risk and, re and reduce their costs by playing that game, essentially. Because... The reality is this game is being played whether you like it or not. You're going to be given right. a terrible contract to sign, and you need to understand what that risk is for you. To give you an example, are you if you have a small purchase order, sure, 50 grand, 35 grand, right? Are you willing to risk your whole company for 35 grand? Right. 
because a lot of contracts will say that. And so the likelihood of that happening is low, but the consequence is very, very high, right? Now, are you likely to, okay, in that same scenario, if it's worth four or five million to your company, and then you're asked the same question, are you willing to risk the company for that reward? Well, that's a potentially a different answer, depending on how you're looking at it. And so if you're consistently risking the company for low amounts of money, well, then eventually a time will come where you're going to get bitten and you're going to go out of business. And so it's that risk reward, right? So I don't know if you've ever uh, played poker um, back in your in your youth, but there you have cards that are worth playing and you've got cards that are not worth playing. And so all we want to do is skew the game in your favor so that you're only playing cards that are worth playing. It's, you know, so interesting, right? Um, and, and thank you for, for taking us down that path because I think that that is one thing that is really overlooked. I loved it when you said there for a moment is that one thing we address is or assess in our minds before when we sign contracts is, yeah, you, you hear the old adage of, ah, that's not likely going to happen. Again, what you said, probability low, risk high. This $35,000 contract, you know, the probability of it, of it, of, of there being default of, of something going wrong, not high. What you're saying is, yeah, and if it does, here's your exposure. So, you know, summarize that out there for, for the, the contracts out there. The one big, the biggest point, pain point, succinctly, the biggest pain point you help alleviate for them so it sticks in their mind is fill in the blank. An understanding of risk. So all of the people, um, so many construction people are can get a drawing that has been put together by an engineer, a drawing that has been put together by an architect, specifications, a scope of work that is very, very complex. And they're easily able to interpret all of those things. Really, really good. All we're saying mm. is that the contract is just another one of those documents. You can't ignore it. It, it forms part of it. And you just need to be mm. able to understand what it is. So we give those guys clarity on the risk. What are you actually signing up for? Right? So let's Got just look, look at the other side. Let's just say your contract says there's, you, you're not going to get paid for any delays. Just says straight up, and it does all the time. No delays. Yeah, which is which is real, right? It says it all the time. It says it all the time, and then you might be delayed. Nothing to do. It's not your fault at all, right? So that that one likelihood of occurrence very very high, right? Um, yeah, and then yeah. impact. I mean, the impact is could be anything, right? You don't know what the impact is going to be. But it's definitely so. That's one that we'd be like, okay, we need to talk about this one because that likelihood of that thing going to happen is high. It means it's probably going to cost you every every construction job is delayed. Let's face it, right? So, are you really going to say you're not going to be delayed and you give away that control? Well, then no, of course not. And so, it's giving the owners of these companies clarity on one what they, what what they can negotiate, what they can't negotiate, what particular things are a risk to their company specifically and what are, is not and then what is a risk generally that they need to be fully aware of that if i'm going into like that 35 grand i need to know that i'm risking xyz for this 35 grand does is that a reasonable bet or not and so then they get they're educated with 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 information to make decisions 
Okay, so so really, you're illuminating it, a lot of things there to say, okay, boys and girls, you know, do we actually think about this? Here's this, right? So if I translate that down to, so it, we, people are out there right now, the audience is going, got it, guys. What you guys are talking about is real. It's raw, it's authentic. It happens on every single project. So how do we translate that to the very, you know, this is the data complex guys. This is the guy sitting there going, okay, what's in it for me? How do I save money? How do they save money doing this? Like, it... it each clause is a money saver, okay? Whether we're talking about payment terms. So you can, let's give you an example of 30 days end of month. Right. Right. Yeah. Sounds okay. 30 day payment terms. It isn't. No. It isn't, right? So the reality is, let's just say at the end of month one, you submit your you know, your payment application or whatever it's yeah. called in your contract, your payments. Uh, uh, so then they review it. Then they give you a payment certificate on the second or third day of month two, right? And then you invoice against that payment certificate, right? So now we're talking about the fourth of that month. Right. Then it's 30 days end of month. So then we go all the way to the end of month, which is like 25 days, and then it's 30 days. So actually, it's not 30-day payment terms. We're talking 50-day payment terms or 45-day payment terms. Is that So if you catch that one, then you've saved yourself... You know, at 25 days of payment terms, which is obviously going to help your cash flow. Okay. The other big one is fixed materials. Huge deal, right? When do you get paid for your materials? If you're a steel fabricator, for example, if you, you're going to have to go and buy all of the steel to fabric, like to fabricate it. So you're going to spend a lot of money. And let's say you don't get paid until it's fully installed, which is completely the case. But the whole project is delayed. Nothing to do with you. Right. Or, uh, so, you, so you're now, you can't install it because the guy who was supposed to install the concrete footings or whatever it is beforehand hasn't done it. Now you are sitting on the costs of holding that material and storage potentially through no fault of your own. That's another one, right? So each one, termination, how do you get out of the contract? Right, so imagine you're in a situation where you haven't been paid and you can't terminate the contract. You got to keep going, which means you're incurring more debt. You're going to keep paying your guys. You're getting deeper into a hole again. It's another thing. So each clause has its own benefit with regards to costs and also to risk. Okay, so all of this makes sense to me, right? And you've you know you just identified a couple of key things that. Is, are, are likely sort of big pain points for people. You know, there's there's still something buzzing around and it's going, okay, so now the contractor's going, gentlemen, I hear what you're saying. That's where I engage my lawyer. How do we respond to that one? Okay, so you've got, you can have some absolutely fantastic lawyers, which is, you know, they, they exist. There's a couple of different things that you yes. need to, to be aware of. So lawyers will look at all of the risks, every single risk, and they'll change, but typically they'll change words for the sake of changing words, right? As opposed to understanding True. your construction yep. business to say, okay, that particular thing is a risk for sure. However, it's not that big of a risk to you. So in the grand scheme of things, if we're going mm. to try and get... 10 things removed from this contract or five things removed from the contract. Is that really one we want to ask for? Technically, that's the right thing to do. But if we ask for 35 things to be removed, what are they going to do? They're going to turn around and say no to all of it. 
right? So we need to strategically look at that thing doesn't matter to you. So therefore, we're going to decide not to ask for it. Instead, we're just going to concentrate on these five or six or seven things that are going to dramatically reduce the risk because they apply to you, given the type of construction company that you are. Okay, team, like what are the risks we're willing to take? And and here's the here's the impact of this versus, you know, respectfully, Mr. and Mrs. Lawyer, here you go, we'll take a look at this. Like you said, it comes back all The thing that's important is in the post-award phase, the we manage all of the paperwork and the contracts and the dispute avoidance side of it. So what we're going to do in the in the in negotiating the contract is to set ourselves mm-hmm. up for success in that post-award phase, mm-hmm. so that we're able to get change orders in and approved, able to get extensions of time in and approved, and set ourselves up that if there's a dispute occurring. That the if that does happen, we have ways to get around the dispute happening rather than finding ourselves in the dispute. So that's where it's kind of different. We're we're trying to set ourselves up. Really, our focus is on reducing risk and cost by setting ourselves up for success in that post award phase. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense to me. So thank you. Like this is beautiful. Look, there's got to be. I'm so curious. Is there one thing out there that is more times than not overlooked? And sometimes you just want to like bang your head on the table, and say, "Come on, guys." It's the same thing over and over. We're missing the most important thing. And the most important thing that we often overlook industry is, what is it, man? What's the biggest blind spot? Okay. So this is the biggest blind spot to me. And I'm not going to go into a specific thing in the contract. The biggest thing is people think I can't negotiate my contract. Right? (sighs) So your average subcontractor goes, oh, if I try to negotiate my contract, they're going to think I'm... Mm -hmm combative or I'm difficult to deal with and not want to deal with me, right? That is the biggest thing that we see all of the time, right? But the reality of the situation is that that is not the case. They will give you their worst contract. They have backup clauses for all. Okay, this is this is version one. We have clauses right. for you know version two and version three of each little thing, right? So we're going to, of course, they're going to give you their worst thing. And so... The, what I always say to our clients is, who is the biggest um, company in your sector? In your, If you're a scaffolder, who's the biggest scaffolder in your region? If you're a civil company, who's the biggest civil company, right? Now ask me this, are they negotiating their contracts? And they're like, for sure. What's their reputation like? Oh, well, they're commercial, but they've got a really good reputation of being professional, right? And I'm like, okay, well, that's what we're trying to do. If you don't negotiate, they're going to look at you and go, hey, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This is his first time at the rodeo, essentially. And that's 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 the difference. Once you get your head around that, they almost want you to, like if you negotiate in a really good way, they're going to go, this guy switched on. I have confidence that they know what they're doing. 